Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. It's good to be um, together and it's going to come a little bit closer, is that all right? Calm now, we can, so all right. Good, it's good to be together. Pentecost Sunday, um, I was thinking about this time last year, we were in major lockdown and uh, what we had to do was we had to, it was pre-recorded and then we did a little live bit at the end, I was thinking about that um, this morning. But uh, what I want to talk to you about um, this morning on this 23rd of May 2021 is a thing that we all use every day, loads and loads and loads of time. We talk words, all right? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Now, Google is a wonderful tool. Um, and I Googled this week, how many words does the average person speak per day? This is a disclaimer, all right? Total disclaimer, all right? Don't shoot the messenger. Shoot Google. And this is what it told me. And I quote, there's a general consensus supported by research that women on average speak more than men. Um, The actual words count vary by study, but some counts for men as low as 7,000 words per day, while some women clock in at 20,000 words per day. Again, please don't aim your emails at me. Go for Google. Um, And uh, I I imagine the frustration is on both sides. I reckon that if you're a wife here, you're maybe as frustrated with your husband's lack of words sometimes as the other way around. So um, words are really, really important, all right? Adolf Hitler, who we will all recognize the name no matter what he is, used words to devise a system that would murder six million Jews. He then went on to use some more words that would hasten on World War II that would claim 75 million lives. Just words. It's important to note that um, in both Luke 6.45 and Matthew 12.34, quote the reference that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in here comes out here. It's hard to hide. We this little saying, when you're abiding, there's no hiding. All right? So there's something about happening in the heart that proceeds out of our mouth. Uh, Martin Luther King used words to end apartheid, appease racial injustices, and start a civil rights revolution that would literally change the way people would think about racial tensions forever. Just words. Billy Graham used words, um, according to their headquarters staff, saw 3.2 million people come to faith in Christ during his ministry years. Just words. My son-in-law, Pete, um, went to Cambodia 12 years ago, got his heart broke with the exploitation of children in the sex industry, and came home and helped pioneer and works now for No more traffic, making people aware of modern slavery and trafficking. Just words. Nicola, who's here, sat in my office some years ago with a dream to reach the lost and broken in our town. 
And I said, why don't you come and work along with us and do it? And she did. Just words. Now, I'm stating the downright obvious that words are desperately important. The words we say are desperately important. Some people get devastated by the words of another. We same thing goes on the opposite side of the coin. We get built up whenever people speak good words. And we know the Bible tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue, all right? In Genesis 1, Genesis 1 has 31 verses, and if you count, you'll count around 15, 16 times in those 31 verses that the little phrase, and God said. So God created with words. God said, God spoke into the clay, and Adam was formed. Pretty awesome. God said. When God said, let there be light, just four words, light was formed. That brings life to every creature and every part of society. That's a message for another day. But one of my favorites is Daniel 10, 12. And after Daniel has fasted and prayed for 21 days, a man appears to him and touches him and says this, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? That a heavenly messenger arrived from heaven to touch a prayerful man because of his words. So words are desperately important. Now, we know that this is Pentecost, which is one of those Christian festivals that in retrospect we talk about as if it were normal, but it's actually way far from normal. I suppose the same could be said for most of our Christian festivals, really, couldn't it? Um, a child born to a virgin at Christmas, a man coming back from the dead at Easter, a man rising and going up into heaven on ascension day and disappearing into a cloud. The list goes on and on. There is nothing normal about our beliefs in God. It's pretty awesome. He is an awesome God. But Pentecost, I think, ranks up um, with them all. There's probably one of the most bizarre stories. And I should imagine that the first disciples were as perplexed as we can be sometimes when we relate to the story and try to pull out of it what it actually really means. And that's what I want to try and do this morning. I want to give you a little context around Pentecost rather than sometimes just talking about it. Let's unpack it a little. Now, if you want to follow me, Dave has already read the passage in um, Acts 2 in the New Testament. And basically, the first four verses say it all. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a rushing wind. Luke is telling us it's the only way he could describe it. It wasn't, a, it wasn't wind, but he said it sounded like a tornado. It sounded like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And what seemed like the authorized puts it, divided tongues of fire. Again, wasn't, I, I'm not dead sure it was fire, but it was the only way they could explain it. And it rested in each of them, all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, before we go on, um, I want to show you how and why I think this happened, all right? Well, firstly, Joel, who is an Old Testament prophet, some 800 years before it happened, actually prophesied with words. 
he used some words to tell us that when he said this, have come to pass, afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. I see visions all the time. Um, don't do those dream things. Um, so, so these were just words 800 years before. And then Jesus, um, in Acts 1, 4 and 5, Jesus was staying with them. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me. Just words, just words. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, I wonder how the disciples were feeling this first Pentecost morning. They were, they were all gathered together in one place, and uh, what a few weeks they'd experienced. If you want to backtrack on the last few weeks, they entered Jerusalem with Jesus to a hero's welcome. They saw him turn the tables in the temple. They'd seen Jesus arrested and falsely tried, the people of Jerusalem turning against him, shouting for his blood. They saw Jesus tortured, crucified, dying an agonizing death, running away, only to hear again about the resurrection, then coming face to face with Jesus in the flesh again. Pretty awesome few weeks. Then spending another month with him doing what no one really seems to know. Then the ascension into heaven. Remember last week, looking as he disappears into a cloud, the disciples must have been so confused, so emotionally exhausted by this stage, not knowing what on earth was happening next. What was this promise? What was going to happen? And so here we find them gathered together at Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was a Jewish festival that is first recorded in Deuteronomy 16. We can read about it there. And it was a celebration of the harvest, a celebration of the, it was the day of first fruits. And so the disciples are back together to celebrate Pentecost and perhaps looking forward to maybe a little bit of stability to a religious festival that they knew so well, ready to meet with God as they always had before. But it was different now. And God uses this moment um, to fulfill the promise of the Holy Spirit coming to earth, not just coming to them, but coming to earth, still here today. The disciples were together. This wind like a tornado fills the house these tongues of fire rest in each believer. They begin speaking in tongues by the reading. It obviously spills out onto the street. They burst out onto the streets. And the scene is so bizarre that um, there can only be one rational conclusion that Dave referred to as well, that these people were drunk. Verses 13, 14, 15 of Acts 2 tells us. But Peter assures them it's only nine in the morning. And what they're experiencing is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the gift of God promised by words from the prophets and from Jesus himself to the early church and, of course, to us. And I'm sure we've all received some strange gifts in our lifetime at Christmas or at birthday, and um, you have to smile graciously and pretend you really like it. Um, but this gift, this gift that comes from God that no one really knew what to do with, this was an awesome gift. What on earth was the Holy Spirit given to them for? And crucially, why does God give the Holy Spirit to us? Why do we need this constant filling of the Holy Spirit? What is it all about? Now, I'm going to talk about this corporately first, and then we're going to finish with a song and talk about it personally and ask um, for a, a fresh refilling of the Holy Spirit in their lives because we all need that. So let's think about it corporately, all right? Well, some people think that it's the gift of excitement, People think, and, and 
in one way, um, uh, a lot of misinterpretation has went into this, this sort of thought. And so people think it's about entertainment. The Holy Spirit didn't come to give us entertainment. He did come to excite us and to inspire us and to stir us up for mission because that's what it was all about, to go. It was being sent. It was going into the world, so it was about mission. So it wasn't just excitement for excitement's sake, just to entertain us. The energy and excitement of the Holy Spirit brings us to a different purpose altogether. And to see that, I did a little exercise that I'd never done before, and I began to look at big major events in the New Testament. I've been doing this for a couple of months. Major events like the crucifixion, um, like the resurrection, all of these things. And I looked at, I started to look at what happened um, just before them and just after them. Because I thought what happens around these things must be extremely important because it must be what they're about. It must be what they're about. So if we, look at the, if we look at the Holy Spirit coming, if we look at directly what happened before, so here, here we go. We have, the, we have the Holy Spirit coming, the tongues of fire, the wind blowing in the house. What happened exactly before it? Well, immediately before the story of Pentecost in Acts 1 comes the story of the choosing of Matthias, who was an apostle to replace Judas, who had died by suicide, and had fallen away from the faith, obviously, and died by suicide. And it would seem to me, it would seem to me that the structures needed to be right for this event. It seems to me that prior to Pentecost, God was ensuring structures were right. So this place needed to be filled. There was an empty space, and it needed to be filled. And, and, and given the fact that the disciples had committed that decision to prayer, then you've got to be confident that the Holy Spirit was in that decision-making process. So that was really important. A place and, pos and position needed to be filled. Now, immediately after Pentecost, immediately just after it, in Acts 2, 43 to 47, we have how the early church conducted themselves. We have in terms of living. So we have community living. We've developing communal ideas. We've the sharing of our goods. We have joining together in worship and in prayer daily. So we have to realize that community life is really important. So structure just, just prior to Pentecost and community life just after Pentecost seem to encapsulate something of what I think Pentecost is all about, teaching us how to build our structures, teaching us how to live in community. And I think that is really, really important. And, and, and given the fact that this comes immediately after Pentecost, we're confident that the Holy Spirit was in this new way of forming a God-like type of community. So it seems to me that the gift of the Holy Spirit is to energize and excite is directly related to how we organize church life and how we organize our structures and corporate life together. Now, again, I'm talking about the corporate infilling of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit of God is in, is, is in and energizing and exciting the institution of the church, then it is by definition a lively place to be, and it should be, all right? Um, but when the Holy Spirit is excluded and people just cling to structures for the sake of structures, then the institution is sold out for the sake of institutionalism, which by definition is lifeless and dead. 
That's what I take out of this. So we must always be mindful by allowing the Holy Spirit to breathe through the institution and structures of our church and into our community way of life. And when we do that, again, I say our structuring will be energized, our worship will be empowered, our mission activity will be meaningful, and we'll transform our community. That's why the Holy Spirit came. That's why the Holy Spirit came to church. So the Holy Spirit excites and energizes, so not that we can be entertained, but that we can be mission-oriented. But not only is it, a, is it a gift of excitement, it's a gift of power. There's just three, don't worry. Um, a gift of power. Now, Jesus has promised, and we read his words in Acts 1, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And then the next little line says, you will be witnesses. So the power was to witness. The power wasn't to be a feel-good factor. The power wasn't to give you goosebumps. The power wasn't to make you feel you're good. The power was to tell others. There was something about this. And there was a time, of course, when the church was one of the most powerful institutions in society. The church lay behind political decisions. The church lay behind the economic policy and the legal system. And the church determined community values. And it would be true to say that the church doesn't hold that type of sway anymore in this day and age. And some people lament about that. And I'm not just as stressed as I used to be about that. And I tell you why. I believe that Jesus did promise the Holy Spirit and he would give power to the church, but not that sort of power. It wasn't a power to dominate. It was a power that was born out of brokenness, not strength. It was a power that the, the church would get a prophetic influence, not a, to be um, dictatorial in their role. The power of the church has, was to work through some kind of counter-cultural behavior and not mainstream Um, not dictating the mainstream of society. So there was something about this. There was a type of power that the church had now taken on with Pentecost that shows the way of the cross was the way to life. If you want to get your life, you need to lose your life. If you want to have something, you give it away. Everything was counter-cultural. And so the Holy Spirit is the gift of energy and excitement. And the the Holy Spirit is the the spirit of power. But crucially, I think this last one um, that we'll look at this morning is one of the most powerful. It is the gift of the Word. I love the Word of God. You know I do. But um, the Holy Spirit is given, is, is the gift of a message to proclaim. It's the gift of a message to proclaim. One of the central images of the Pentecost event, as we've heard, is that the silence was broken. Here they were, sitting in this little room for days and days and days, silent, afraid of the officials, afraid of what was going to happen. The Holy Spirit comes and boom, nobody cares anymore what anybody thinks. Fear is gone. There's a spirit of proclamation comes upon Peter. He didn't go to Bible school. He hadn't went to seminary or whatever you do. He, he, he all of a sudden gets this spirit of proclamation, preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people come to faith just like that. And then they baptize, they start to baptize them all because the fact was the silence was broken and here they were, they were speaking in tongues. The people who were there all began to hear this in their own language. Something was very powerful and Peter explains what was happening. He said, this is what was prophesied by Joel. This is what's going on. Talking about the gift of proclamation. The church has a message, folks. The church is a message. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to give us a message to tell 
others, all right? The command is to go, and, and not something that we retain for our own feel-good factor, but something that we give away. The gift of the Holy Spirit is ultimately a gift, not just for the church, but for the whole world. And so our job is to tell others about it. Our job is not just to do holy huddles. Our job is actually to proclaim, is to gossip the gospel. And that's what the Holy Spirit was given for, the power of the Word. Yes, we are empowered, so not so that we can rule over society, but so that we can draw people by our example to the cross. And ultimately, through the Holy Spirit, we're given a voice and a message to proclaim to the whole world that they will hear and receive the good news of Jesus Christ. I love that. And we need to be the church that is empowered and structured for mission. Not something that we do, but something as someone who we are, that we are a missional church to bring a prophetic word to the world and the spirit of Pentecost that we celebrate today. This is it. It's the spirit that we are called to embrace in all our activities, the spirit of energy, the spirit of power, the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of God himself. You want to know what this Holy Spirit can do? Well, that's why it's important that we receive him personally. And then when we come together corporately, we join unitedly together and we take our mission. That's the mission of the church. We take it to the world. We take it to the lost and the broken. We take it through our jobs. We take it through our school teaching. We take it through our counseling. We take it because it's with our words. The power of words, life and death are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to ask the guys to come up because I'd love us to um, sing a little bit and worship and invite the Holy Spirit afresh into our lives. And as they set up, I want you just to look at the, um, the proactive terms in this passage. All right? Now, sometimes we think we can just come to church and sit and it's like, you know, give me, give me, give me. But look at the proactive terms in this message. It's a bit like putting on the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6. Put on. Something that you have to do. It's not automatic. And in the words of Jesus in Luke 11, 9 to 13, so I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds him who knocks the door to be opened. And then he goes on this. He says, what father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? So if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There's been loads of controversy over the years over the Holy Spirit. It's a bit like, you know, sometimes it's Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. And so people haven't talked about him as much, but he's a person. People say, well, do you believe in a second blessing, Phil? You know, let's not get into that. The fact is, the, the word for filling of the Holy Spirit is ongoing. Relationships need to be worked at. You know that. Relationships don't just happen. And so when I get to know someone and... I think, you know, this person could become a friend of mine. We know this. We meet someone. We have to work at that. When you met your spouse, you do work at it. On and on and on. That never stops. And so the person 
of the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a feeling. He's not a cloud. He is a person. You can grieve him. You can quench him. Two of the most stunning scriptures in the New Testament. I think if we could grab the truth of those two scriptures, that you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're living a sinful life, habitually sinful, there's none of us perfect, but if it's habitually sinful, then there's grief comes in. And you know what happens when you grieve someone? They get hurt. And then what happens is you just quench that altogether. And the Holy Spirit, in some shape or form, steps aside. And I'd love just to pray a prayer personally for you and for me this morning, just to repent of that in our lives, that if that has happened, and then we're going to sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Now, when we sing that song, there's it's twofold. I love the song because it's twofold. We're saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here corporately. But sometimes I love to sing it and say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here personally. Come fill this place and flood the atmosphere. Fill this place. And so that's what we're going to do. So, Father, I pray right now that you would come by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've taught us how to structure our church and how to live in community and love our fellow brothers and sisters. Thank you, Father, that the idea of the Holy Spirit coming was to give us energy and power and words to speak into a lost world, that we would open our mouths and you would fill them, not with our own wisdom, but with the very words of heaven. So God, I pray and I repent right now on behalf of our church and I repent personally for the times in my life, even this week, that I've grieved the Holy Spirit. Lord, I repent on behalf of us all right now for the times that your Spirit has been quenched from our life because we've just been so disobedient and so rampant in our sinful existence. And we repent of that right now and we just say, come Holy Spirit. We invite you to come fresh into our lives personally right now. Let's worship together. Let's see as we um, sing this song. Make this song our prayer. Will you make it your prayer? Make the words that you say full of intent, not just a melody, not just a, a, a nice tune, but these are words. And when words, I don't know if you've ever spoken something that you regretted you spoke, but you can't take it back when they go out, they're out. And I, I've done it where I've said something and, and all of, and the moment it went out, I thought, oh, if, 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 if I'd give a million pounds, if I could, I'd steal a million pounds somewhere just to take that back and never have said it. But you can't, it's done, it's out. So there's power death and life in the power of the tongue. And so I would love you to speak these words out as a prayer and invite the Holy Spirit into your life. Baptize you afresh. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing thing. It's an event. It's an event and it's also a process and it just keeps going and we need constantly filled by the Holy Spirit. So let's do that. Let's stand together if you're able or if you want to sit, you can, but whatever you feel like is important to you. But let's do this and let's do it as our prayer. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.